If you'll please turn in your Bibles to the book of Colossians. Um, I, I know I've been going through the book of Ephesians, and I'm not going to abandon the book of Ephesians. I intend to continue in that, but this week I have an app on my Bible, and it'll have a verse of the day on there. And the verse of the day, this past week one day, was from Colossians chapter 4. I'm sorry, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek those things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. If there was ever a time when this verse speaks to us, it is in these days. So many distractions, so many uh, delusions, if you will, of what happiness is and how it's to be found. It is certainly an excellent time for us to remember that we are to seek the things that are above. Please stand for the reading of God's word this morning. <clears throat> Start reading in chapter 2 and verse 11. And read down through 15 and then go over to chapter 3. Let's hear the word of the Lord. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. That is, he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. In chapter 3 and verse 1, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are set up, that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The flower withers, the grass, uh, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Please be seated. Please pray for me as I preach this text. Pray for yourselves as you sit under the proclamation of God's word this morning that he would bless both of us. Bless me as I preach. Bless the congregation as they hear the word read. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Father in heaven, the primary means of grace is the proclamation of your holy word. And, O Lord, I ask that you would bless me in spite of my failings and weaknesses, that you would use me this day as your spokesman to bring the gospel forth clearly. Pray that you would bless this word to us. Pray that you would bless the sermon, O Lord, to the hearts and minds of your people, and that you would keep us from the evil one, and that you, O Lord, would work. If any are here today outside of grace, we pray, Lord, the gospel would come forth with clarity, and that you would grant salvation, and grant, O God, sanctification, and grant, O God, comfort, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a saying that was popular today, it is certainly true today as well, I am comfortable with who I am. Well, then the question in our day and age can become this, well, who are you? Who are you exactly? There's a great deal of confusion in our society, is there not? 
Well, we are told that you simply don't know if you're a man or if you're a woman. You simply don't really know that comes to you in time. And there are nonsensical things uh, talking about who are able to bear and have children. We go back to Genesis. He made them male and female. That's it. Male and female. And I'm not hard-hearted to recognize that there are biological issues with some people. I understand what Kleinfelter syndrome is. I understand those things. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about normal people. Average people, people don't have issues biologically or physically, but they are created male and female according to the word of our Lord. Well, how then do we gain identity in this world of confusion? I don't think the church is immune to these things. As a matter of fact, I would say there are some in the church who embrace these things. But should we? Uh, Should we embrace these things that simply are contrary to the Bible? The question we ask ourselves is this. What is our rule of faith and practice? Is it the whims of society? Is it the uh, uh, pontification of the intelligentsia? Or is it God's word? Well, for us, it has to be God's word and God's word alone. Someone wrote this at one time. Someone who truly understands who they are in Christ is further along the road of genuine holiness than someone who is confused. Let me read it again. Someone who truly understands who they are in Christ is further along the road of genuine holiness than someone who is confused. And in our own day and age, there is confusion expressed all over the place. Again, And again and again. Well, how do we then in this world of confusion, this world of conflict, this world of communication that in so many ways is contrary to God's word, how do we navigate through it? It is by remembering who you are in Christ Jesus. That identifies you. If you're here today and you were a Christian, what identifies you is this. You are one with Christ. That's who you are. You are a Christian who have been buried with him and raised with him, one with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have us to see this uh, this morning as we look through this, and that is this. Because we are those who are united with the Lord Jesus Christ, because we are one with Jesus Christ by faith, then we should desire those things uh, that Christ loves. We should desire the place uh, where Christ dwells. And we should desire to be like and to, uh, to exhibit in our lives those things that are pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter how difficult it may be, no matter how contrary it is to common thought and modern thought, it is the fact that we belong to Jesus and we are to seek the things that Christ finds pleasing in the world. And the first thing then is this, is our union with Jesus Christ identifies who you are. In chapter 2, in verse 11 through 13, Paul said this, we have been buried with him in baptism. That's a reference to the union that we have with Jesus. So what does that mean, you've been buried with him in baptism? Well, it is not an expression of the proper mode of baptism. That's not what is being said here at all. You know, so you have to lie down and go into the water and come back up again like the resurrection. That's not what Paul is saying here. It speaks of union with Jesus. 
So we have died with him. That means that as far as the world is concerned, as far as sin is concerned, we should consider ourselves dead to sin. And yet so often we make a means by where we can dwell in it and enjoy it in our lives, do we not? And I know that uh, we are not perfect. When I see perfection in this world, it simply is not going to happen. But we struggle, you see. That's the key. Do we strive against it? Do we fight against it? Uh, Do we seek to be what God would have us to be? Do we seek to have our affections in heaven itself where Christ is seated, as we read here in the text? Or are we actually so anchored into the world that that's where our affections are? That's where our love truly is. Then we don't want to by any means do anything to change. Because we have to change our preferences. We have to change our affections And for some of us, that simply is too difficult. And for others of us, it is simply something that we do not want to do. Listen to this. Christ has wiped out the condemnation of the law against you if you're a Christian. He has wiped it out. He has nailed it to the cross, if you will. And so the condemnation of the pronouncement of the law of guilty Against everyone as it is, a universal guilt to all who are outside of, uh, of faith in Jesus. But for us, for those who have faith in Christ, it's been taken care of. Christ took our condemnation upon himself on the cross of Calvary. The law has been nailed to the cross, if you will. And as Romans 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's not to say you don't sin. That's not to say you don't offend God. You do offend God. In attitudes, words, and actions, we offend God. But as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That is the word of God to us. And Paul stresses this union with Jesus. So what, you say? You may say, so what? So I have been united to Jesus Christ. It makes no practical difference in my life. I'm not going to hell. I'm glad for that. But practically, well, it is very, very much so a practical difference in your life. And he says that we are to seek things are above. You're a Christian and the resurrection of Jesus Christ identifies you. You're a Christian and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is is such that it gives you a whole new perspective on life. And Paul spells it out here. He tells us where our hearts should be, and he tells us where our future lies. Are you afraid of death? Are you afraid to die? You know, Sproul wrote his letter. We knew he was dying. And he sent it out. So I guess people that supported the ministry, I'm not sure who all got a copy of it. But he said this, and it's, 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 it just stuck with me. If I am afraid, pray for me. As he stood... He was probably lying in bed, thinking about his own mortality and the coming up in a certain approach of death. If I'm afraid, pray for me. Are you afraid to die? Well, see, as we grasp our, where our home is, as we grasp the fact that Christ has defeated sin and death, and it certainly gives us courage as we face and think about our own mortality. Our chief endeavors in life 
are things pertaining to God. At least they should be. Matthew Henry put it like this. Though we are made free from the obligation of the ceremonial law, though we are made free from the notions of men, though we are free from trying to work out our way to heaven, it is not followed that we may live our life as we wish. We are to seek after the Lord with all energy, with all zeal, and we are to do so moment by moment by moment by moment as we live. Seek those things that are above. And how much energy do we, if we can ask ourselves, how much energy do we put into doing that? And what happens is we become so overwhelmed with the affairs of our lives, we become so busy, become burdened down by, by trials, become burdened down by relationships, become burdened down by those friends that we know that are sick and they're hurting. Uh, we become burdened down by the responsibilities that we have as people living in a fallen world. And it's easy for us to become overwhelmed in these things. It's easy for us to then forget about and lose sight of the fact that we are to seek those things that are above, where Christ is seated, you see. Our great God, our great Savior, our great Redeemer is at the right hand of God in the heavenly places. That should be our desire to be with Him, uh, to be as much like Him as we possibly can be, and to rest in this. I now do not have to be afraid of what I face ever because I am one with the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows every fear I have. He knows every thought that threatens me. He knows every occasion of my being overwhelmed by the trials of life. He knows these things. And we read in the book of Hebrews, we have not a high priest who cannot sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but rather one who has been tempted in all ways as we are yet without sin. Therefore, because he understands, because he knows, because he cares, therefore let us draw near to the throne of grace to find grace to help in time of need. He may not take away the trial, but he'll give grace to deal with it. And there is that one in the heavenly places. Seek those things that are above where Christ is. And as we go through difficulties and trials, you see, there's the comfort of the gospel. There's the comfort of our great Savior. There's the comfort of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And so we do not need to be afraid. What does Christ say? Fear not, for I am with you. So our chief endeavors in this life should be those things that are heavenly, those things that are eternal, those things that are where Christ is in heaven itself. And our union with Christ calls on us, if you will, to think in heavenly terms. Most of you know I'm 27 years old. Why laugh? I've been 27 many years. I'm 68. That's not old. That used to be. But it's not anymore. And it's relatively young. You're older than you were when I came here 20, no, 31 years ago. Those that are still here, they were here when I came so many years ago now. And it moves us closer to eternity, does it not? The days are a day for me before I lived yet one of them, but the days are numbered. And as we understand this, that I am being fitted day by day, moment by moment, to be with Jesus. 
So Paul says, I desire to depart and be with Christ. He doesn't say, I desire to depart, and I hope I'm with Jesus, but I just don't know. I just can't be certain about it. That's not our God. That's not our Savior. What did Christ say to the thief on the cross? Today you shall be with me in paradise, in glory. Today you shall be with me in glory. Where I am seated to the right hand of God, there the authority of Christ ruling over all things. So our affection should be that we look above and seek those things that are above. Well, how do we do that? How do we seek those things that are above? To see to it that we don't lose sight of heaven. That we don't lose sight of the fact that I belong to Christ in my home. My citizenship is in heaven at this very moment. How is it that we seek those things that are above? Well, we watch out for those things that in any way whatsoever anchor us to this world. Last Sunday night, two weeks ago, Charles Reed preached a sermon. I want to encourage you all to get here when he preaches. Well, when I preach too, but get here when Charles preaches in the evening and hear him preach. He preached on treasures on earth and treasures in heaven. And it was a magnificent sermon. We're terribly materialistic, aren't we? Terribly worldly in so many ways. Carnegie, the rich, rich man, said this. Spend a third of your life getting as much education as you possibly can. Third of your life making as much money as you possibly can. He was worth $320 million. The last third of your life, give the money away as much as you can. Something he gave away like 90% of what he had before he died. See, the worldly man, he may have been terribly worldly, but he certainly had a mindset that was heavenly. I have no idea he was a believer. I'm talking about his philosophy. For the Christian. Those things that trap us here, those things that make us feel so in touch and anchored in this world are things that are passing away. Our portfolios, never how big or how small, are passing away. Because one day it won't mean a thing. Other things, uh, the pleasures of this world that can be... Uh, Distract us from seeking those things that are above. The trials of this life can distract us from seeking those things that are above where Christ is seated. So many, many different things can come into our lives and cause us to be distracted, if you will. Where we lose sight of our true calling and we lose sight of our true home. And we fail to seek those things that are above where Christ is seated. Well, think about this. This is from Matthew Henry. God has determined that the things of this earth are destined to pass away. Now let your ambitions be earthbound, set on transitory inferior objects. This present world is filled with trouble. It is filled with sadness. It is filled with difficulties. And I'm not saying, look, I enjoy my life. I have a, a great wife, except she's going to Florida without me. Besides that, she's great. She's a very good mother. She's a good grandmother. Uh, she's a good wife. Don't tell her I said that, please. And I have enjoyed our um, 
43 years together. It has gone very, very quickly. So I'm not saying that you should not enjoy the life that God gives you. You should enjoy it. But don't be blinded by the reality of living in a fallen world and by the difficulties that you face here and that friends face here. And sometimes they are simply overbearing, are they not? Uh, A world filled with trouble and sadness and things that are contrary to God's good pleasure and God's will. That's the world. It's fallen. And yet the things that are above, uh, they continually are preserved uh, for us. No one can take them away from us. They are ours. They are yours. You have your inheritance in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's yours. That's where your home is. Again, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. Give yourself to hearing the word of God read and preach. Give yourself to prayer. Give yourself to dealing with those things in your life that are contrary to God's good pleasure. If you have a personality issue that's offensive, deal with it. Repent of it. That's what God calls you to do. If you're prideful, deal with it. Repent of it. That is what the Lord calls you to do. Seek those things that are above where Christ is seated. And we all know the catechism question, what is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to enjoy God, uh, to um, glorify God, enjoy him forever. A senior moment got a hold of me there for just a brief second, did it not? So Christ dwells in places with unparalleled authority as he sits at the right hand of God. And listen to this. The ascension of Christ to the right hand of God is mentioned again and again and again in the New Testament. I'm not going to read them all to you. We simply don't have time to do so, but I can give you some verses. Luke 24, 50 through 50, uh, 53, Acts 1, 6 through 11, Acts 2, 33 through 36, Acts 5, verses 30 and 31, Acts 7, 5 and 6, Romans 8, and so forth. Ephesians, Philippians, all of these verses, text in the Bible where Christ is at the right hand of God. And I love this. Uh, very quickly, uh, at the book, over in the book of Hebrews, as you know, uh, this next to the Gospel of John is probably my uh, favorite uh, books in the New Testament, this and the Gospel of John. And so at the beginning again, and again, in uh, Hebrews 11, in the first chapter, the first verse, long ago at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's Christ. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's how powerful Christ is. After making purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That was Christ's reward, his blessing for his faithfulness. After making purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. Christ sits in the highest place of honor in the entire creation. The right hand of God. How big is your Jesus? How glorious is your Jesus? How majestic is your Jesus? How do you look at Christ? How do you look at him? How do you see Jesus? Does his life, his teaching, his ministry formulate your life? That that's your pattern? That's your sextant for navigating the world, if you will, as you live your life day in and day. And it's Jesus. Well, if it ain't, you're not going to be seeking those things that are above. Christ is the plumb line of your reasoning here in this world. And as we have that as our plumb line, then we will indeed seek those things that are above where Christ is seated. This past Monday, 
uh, we observed Memorial Day. Yeah. What's this past Monday, Ryan? Yeah. What do we remember on Memorial Day? We remember all the people that have died in the wars. How many millions of people have died in war since the beginning of time? I have no earthly idea. I love our military. I respect our military. Almost joined our military. They're great. They give their lives for us so that we are able to continue to enjoy the freedoms that we have here in our own country, especially the freedom of being able to worship. But what does that show you? It shows you the world is quite broken. What does Jesus say? There will be wars and rumors of war. Right now, we're in the midst of who knows what's going to happen. God knows. Christ knows. And he's ruling. And even in the midst of uncertainty, even in the midst of trials, even in the midst perhaps of things that are paralyzingly fearful, seek those things that are above where Christ is and that you may know his peace and his presence and that you won't lose sight of this fact. My home is not here. My home is in glory where Christ is. Therefore, I should seek my address in heaven. Look forward to being there and desire those things where Christ is. Let's pray.